Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to share a message with you. In fact, I'm more encouraged now than I've ever been in 32 plus years, probably 35 years of serving Jesus. Because you're watching culture go absolutely crazy. There is no good news. Have y'all noticed that? There is no, I don't care which one you listen to, if you're a CNNer or a Fox Newser, you might as well turn them both off. They ain't got no good news. I'm just telling you. Culture's going nuts and crazy, and then you're going, what in the world is going on? You don't know what's true. You don't know what's a lie. I, I, I just want to warn you about the enemy. He always overplays his hand. It's almost as going, Pastor, you, it's just getting darker out there. Oh, it is getting darker out there. Then why are you encouraged? Because I just know that the darker it gets out there, the brighter the light shines of the gospel. This is our finest hour, I'm telling you, church. This is the greatest day. We've been praying for an awakening and a revival. We just didn't ever get to a point where that would be the only thing that would be our hope. We always had another tool, another, another program we could run to try to reach our communities. And then we're getting to a place where only the Holy Spirit can do it. It's the most exciting time that I've ever can remember. We've been praying for a revival, praying for an awakening for over 35 years. I would drive through Opelousas going, God, awaken our community. Take the scales off people's eyes. Can they just get tired, be sick and tired of being sick and tired? And we're watching culture set it up for his church right before our very eyes. This is exciting. I don't want you to walk out of here discouraged. I want you to walk out of here encouraged that God is up to something. The more you see on the news the enemy's moving, trust me, God is moving behind the scenes as well. And so I'm very excited to preach this message to you today. Can we just give the Holy Spirit just a round of applause? We love you. So I want you to lean in today because I, I know there's some messages are like seed. Some produce 30-fold. Some produce 60-fold, some produce 100-fold. Maybe today's one of those messages that go, might really produce something in each of our lives. And so I, I want to entitle, uh, preach a message today entitled, The Kingdom of God. Can you say that with me? One more time. The Kingdom of God. And I want to ask this question, where are you at? Some years ago, when my second daughter, Hannah, got her driver's license, you know, your firstborn, Hillary, she was very, most firstborns are very responsible. We weren't really that concerned when she got her driver's license. But when Hannah, our second daughter, got her driver's license, we went to 24-hour prayer meetings. Because she, she's directionally challenged. She doesn't know north, south, east, or west. That means nothing to her. Anybody directionally challenged in the room? Okay, we got a few confessing their sin. Uh, and so she was directionally challenged, and we remember the first time uh, she took her first trip from Opelousas, the big city, down to Lafayette for a track meet, and she wasn't going to be able to come back home till the evening or nighttime, and so we, we stayed with cell phone ready, waiting for her call, because we were concerned. 
And so she made it there. And then we knew about what time she should be home. And about 30 minutes before her arrival time, I get the call. Yep, that call. You know that call. When they just say your name, Dad, and you know something's wrong. So I get the call. Dad, what's wrong? Nothing. No, something's wrong. What's, what's going on? She goes, I, I, I think I'm lost. And I said, you're lost. Well, I said, okay, well, it was simple, baby. Just tell me where you're at. And if you tell me where you're at, I'll lead you home. And she goes, well, I don't know where I'm at. How many know if you don't know where you're at, we can't get you home? And so she goes, I don't know where I'm at. And I said, well, what's around you? I don't know. I'm on a road. Are you on a freeway? What's a freeway? Is it like two lanes with everybody going the same way? Yes, you're on a freeway. Am I on the right freeway? I don't know. (laughs) Just keep going until you see a sign. And she's driving. Remember, she's supposed to be going to Opelousas. Y'all know how to get to Opelousas from here? Yeah, you get on 49, right? Heading north for the directionally challenge. That's that way. And so she calls and she goes, uh, it, it says rain, Louisiana. <laughs> How many of y'all know where she's going? <laughs> Baby going to Houston. <laughs> where you at? Where are we at? I think today's message might be prophetic in a way. You can judge it. Scripture says you can judge it. Maybe you should weigh it. Where are we at? Now, I know we are in reality, in real world, we're in between the resurrection we just celebrated a few weeks ago and Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday's coming up, I think May 23rd-ish, somewhere like that. So we're in between the day of the resurrection of Jesus and the celebration of Pentecost. I know that y'all have been reading and, and studying and preaching and teaching through the book of Acts. And I think in a spiritual sense, we're somewhere between the resurrection and Pentecost. And I want to talk to you just a little bit about what happened between the resurrection and Pentecost. For 40 days, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, we just celebrated by the the Lord's table, the resurrected Jesus kept showing up to the disciples In fact, some teachers say that it was 10 times. Others say he showed up 11 times. And so at least we know it 10 times he showed up to the disciples. And he would appear to them after his resurrection. One time he showed up to over 500 believers at one time. We know this. We also know some of the most famous encounters that he had during the 40 days after resurrection and before Pentecost. Uh, We remember the Peter one. Peter who denied Jesus three times before the crucifixion. He shows up to Peter, the resurrected Jesus shows up and, and asks him three questions, the same question three times, do you love me, Peter? And he says, you know I love you, feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? You know I love you, Jesus. Take care of my lambs. Do you love me, Peter? You know all things, God. Feed my sheep. 
Of course, we know there's another famous one where he's going to show up. There was one of the disciples that said, I'm not going to believe it until I put my finger through his nail-pierced hands and my hand in his spear-pierced side. Anybody remember what his name was? Thomas. Of course, we know him as Doubting Thomas. And of course, Jesus shows up in the room of time he gets it out of his mouth, shows up in the room and just goes, da-da. That's how I picture it. And of course, there's also the time that probably not quite as famous, he's actually going to show up to a man by the name of James's house. In fact, I like what one passage says. It says, on the way to see the apostles, he stopped by James's house. Who was James? James was the half-brother of Jesus. Mary and Joseph had other children. See Pastor Gabe after. For if he, he can prove that to you through scripture. If, if you might have grown up in a tradition that Mary had no other children, that's not true. James was the half-brother of Jesus. And James did not believe in Jesus. And he decides to show up to the skeptic's house, the unbeliever's house, his brother, half-brother named James. Now, don't give James such a hard time. How many of you have a brother? How many of you, if your brother told you that he was the Messiah, you'd have a hard time believing him? <laughs> How many of you, he'd have to raise from the dead before you would believe it too, right? And that's where James was at. James, could you imagine growing up in the same household with Jesus and you were James? And you brought your report card home, and Jesus brought his report card home. Can you hear Mary now? Why can't you be more like your brother Jesus? And he stops by, and of course we know James becomes one of the pillars of the church of Jerusalem. He becomes a believer. He keeps showing up to each one of them. In fact, it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 through 7. I'll put it on the screen for you. I think I will. Will I? I won't. 1 Corinthians 15. I will. I will put it up there. I, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. And after that, more than 500 at one time who were still alive. Then he was also seen by, yeah, James. Let me, let me train you just a little bit. Is that okay? When it's in yellow and I pause, if you'll say it, that'll help me preach better and faster. Deal? Okay. So let's try it again. Then he was seen by? Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. You're good. So where are we at? What? I'm sorry? <laughs> James. I want to just talk to you about where we're at between Pentecost, resurrection, and Pentecost by taking you back to the book of Acts. I know your pastor taught you through this, but maybe I'll give you just a little different angle. Going back to the book of Acts, beginning at verse 1 of chapter 1. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. And during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually 
alive. And he about the about the kingdom of God. So I just want you to hear this. He keeps showing up 10 times, maybe 11, and he talks to them about one subject, about the kingdom of God. Now, let me just give you a definition of the kingdom, just so we'll have a working definition, though this is not exhaustive. The kingdom of God is a a spiritual rule over the hearts and lives who those who are willingly submit to God's authority. The kingdom of God is a spiritual rule over the hearts and lives of those who willingly submit to God's authority. 35 years ago, probably about row three, right about there at a little assembly of God church in Spring, Texas, I kneeled and asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life, to be born again. The kingdom came to this heart. It meant that Jesus was now the ruler of my life. Can I get a witness? Anybody else in here get a witness? When Jesus came. So here's what what Jesus is saying to his disciples, and I'm saying it to Broussard. Broussard, the kingdom of God is spiritual. It's not physical. It's internal and it's not external. The kingdom has to come to the heart of a man or a woman through salvation. In other words, Jesus doesn't work from the outside in, he works from the inside out. Some of you are testimonies and and witnesses of this, how you've changed the entire direction of your entire family. Your family was a mess, external. Then you bowed your knee, made Jesus the Lord of your life, internal. And because you went internal, then it changed the relationship between you and your husband and now your children. And what used to be cursed is now blessed. You've got a family line that you've changed the whole direction of it because you submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. Can I get a witness? And he never stops. I wish he would quit messing with me. He's still working on me. He's still taking ground in my life. He works from the inside out, not from the outside in. So Heidi and I have been doing marriage counseling for 32 years. We've been married 32 years. I don't know why we've been doing marriage counseling for 32 years. I don't know why. Because 32 years ago, we were newly married. I didn't get it. Uh, my pastor asked us one time 30 plus years ago, would we, be, would we lead the Sunday school young marriage class? We were young married. And then asked, how many of you know, you don't put the two-year-olds in charge of the two-year-olds. How many of you know that? <laughs> That's what we were doing. Here's what we found to be true for 32 years. Whoever comes and sits on the couch with us. We come in with marriage problems. Usually they want to talk about the external. Well, she ain't and he ain't. The truth is it's not the external that needs to be changed. It's usually something that's going on on the internal, in the heart. One of them is not willing to submit to the lordship of Jesus. 
The internal, God works from the inside out. What's it about? The kingdom of God. This is what he keeps telling them. It's about the kingdom of God. 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 It's about the kingdom coming to the heart of a man and that changing him. I'm going to work from the inside out. I know you're going to look for the external to change, but the external doesn't change until the internal changes. Once the internal change, then it can impact the external, but we got to get the internal right before we can have an impact on the external. Everybody tracking with me this morning. Watch this. He goes on to talk. And once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. Oh, listen to me. Can I encourage you for a second? Jesus may not answer all your presumptions, but he will always give you what he promised. He is a promise keeper. He's a promise keeping God. They will never fail. And so he will promise. And as I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy, everybody say Holy Spirit. Oh, the Father I know, Jesus I know. But do you know the Holy Spirit? Spirit. By the way, you do know what Jesus is doing right now, right? The scripture says he's not even standing. He's actually sitting. You know what you do when you're sitting, right? You're done. It is finished. And he's sitting. You know what his responsibility is now? To pray. In fact, he's making intercession on our behalf. But he said, I will send one greater than me to be with you, the Holy Spirit. He's what's working right now, the Holy Spirit. Watch this. In just a few days, I'm going to send you the promise, the Holy Spirit. Now, just jump right into verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? Now remember, what's this about? The kingdom of God. 10 times, it's about the kingdom of God. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about the kingdom of God. Internal, not external. In your heart first. I got to take ground here. The, it will, the kingdom will come to your heart. Internal, not external. I know, but when you're going to restore our kingdom and make Jerusalem great again? We already got the hats. Got real quiet in here. When you go make Jerusalem great again? You remember, they're under the rule of Rome. Sexual perversion. Truth was whatever you wanted it to be. We're under that same spirit right now in our nation. And we're waiting for it to change from the White House. And God says, no, it's got to change in God's house before it ever impacts by the White House. Internal, not 
external. Are y'all tracking with me? Watch this. I, I, I want to just show you. I'll prove it to you. Like, where are we at? We're, we're in between resurrection and Pentecost. Now, I want to take you all the way back to one week before we celebrate Easter. Anybody know what we call that Sunday? My pants get a little... It's vanity, I know, but just bear with me. We call it Palm Sunday, right? That's what we call the triumphant entry. That's where Jesus, and I didn't have been there, we went to Mount Olives, the Mount of Olives, and you can see the Mount of Olives, there's a big valley, and then there's that picture of the walls of Jer- the old city Jerusalem. You've seen the picture with the, with the, with the gold uh, Islamic, whatever they called their, the dome. Yeah, the dome. You've seen that picture. And, and that's where Jesus is going to actually get on a donkey or a colt of a donkey that has never been ridden. And he's going to ride from the Mount of Olives down the valley up into Jerusalem. And they're going to be shouting with palm branches. Anybody remember what they're shouting? DeMar, do you remember? Hosanna, that's right. Hosanna. And they're going to be waving them. And they knew the Old Testament. The Old Testament prophesied that the Messiah would come riding on a donkey that had never been ridden. So they, they were excited because they were thinking, here he is, the one, the deliverer. And so they're shouting, Hosanna. Do you know what Hosanna means? Save us now. Save us now. Save us now. Lord, we need to be saved now. So the same people that were saying, save us now, are now standing with a choice. Do you want Jesus or do you want Barabbas? The people that were saying Hosanna are now saying, crucify him. What happened? Ready to look right here? They were thinking external, not internal. He's going to save us from Rome. He said, I didn't come to deliver you from Rome. I came to deliver you from sin and death. He, he's going he's to rescue us from their rule. And he's going, no, I, I, I've come to rescue you from hell. We keep thinking external when the kingdom of God is not external. The kingdom of God is internal. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? Are you going to rule over Rome? No, I'm just trying to rule over you. I was at a camp and they're about to serve some food and several preachers were there. And we weren't, we were at this camp with our kids. So it was a father-daughter camp or father-son camp. And I was there with one of my children. So they looked over 
There was me and another pastor who was African-American, and they said, uh, would one of you pastors like to lead the prayer over the food? And I was like, dude, I'm just here for the camp. I mean, can I just take the pastor hat off for a week? So I, I turned to my brother and I said, hey, would you mind? He goes, oh, I don't mind. And he stood up and he prayed something that impacted me. And he, he prayed something like this. Master, we come before you thanking you for the bounty from the fields. Master, may it fuel us to do your will. Master, and he kept calling the one I would call Jesus, Master. And I thought, I need to incorporate that into my vocabulary because that is who he is to be, the master of my life. The master. So when are you going to make America great again? Can I help you? America will never be great again until the hearts of men make him the master of their own heart till the kingdom of God comes to you. When are we going to end racism? You can't pass enough laws to, to take the hate out of men's hearts. You've got to, the kingdom of God has to come to the earth to touch and impact the life. So he repents of his hatred and replace with the love of this one named Jesus. When are we going to end abortion? If we get enough judges on there, can I tell you something? You'll never end abortion by getting judges on, on places. You're going to have the rule of the master has to come to the heart of men because the kingdom works from the inside, from the inside out. I love this. So when the apostle, they kept asking him, what about our kingdom? We keep asking the same question, don't we? What about our kingdom? If I'm Jesus, I'm rebuking somebody. I've been showing up 10, 11 times. I got, what's his name, sticking his finger through my hands and hand in my side. I got Peter three times. I got to ask him. It's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. But Jesus doesn't. He doesn't rebuke them. In fact, this is what he says to their question. When are you going to restore our kingdom? He answers. The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know. Woo. Don't worry about that. That's not your concern. Don't worry about that church. That's not your concern. Is Jesus ever going to set everything straight? He is. In fact, the scripture lets us know he's going to set it all straight. But you don't even see that until Revelation 19. Revelation 19. Can I just read a little bit of it for you? Revelation 19. I saw heaven standing open and there was before me a... Oh, it ain't no donkey this time, baby. He's coming back on a steed. Whose rider is called faithful. With justice he judges and wages... War, his eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven are following him, riding white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. 
Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword in which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's coming back. I said he's coming back. Watch this. He goes on. But you're going to receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're going to be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit will give you What does that mean, power? Like make me strong? It means to give you the strength and the authority that you need. To go to say, come and see, and to say, go and tell. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. They could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. And that's a fact. So, power, Holy Spirit, to be witnesses, kingdom of God, internal not external we need the holy spirit now let me just teach you something that i was never taught jesus is actually when he was alive gives the disciples the play any football fans here yeah two okay the rest of you are lying and going straight to hell because you lied. Any football fan, any New Orleans Saint, who that, who that nation in the house? Okay, Drew, he retired. But you ever see Drew in the huddle? You ever see him? He, he, he doesn't really take a knee. He just does it like this. He, he does it like, I'm going to need somebody to help me get up now. But anyway, <laughs> you ever see him do that? He, he just, he just, he comes in and he calls the play, right? Jesus is actually going to do that with the disciples. He's, he's going to, he said, I'm going to call the play. Here's the play, guys. I want you to go into all the world, and I want you to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I've taught you. That's all I want you to do. I want you to go. Ready? Right. That's the play. That's the play. Acts 1.8 is the power to carry out the play. There's two kinds of people in the room. There's those who need to be discipled. You haven't. I haven't ever had someone in my life that can help me think, feel, and act like a Christian. And then there's those in here that you need to be discipling someone. Gray-haired people. I see you back there, James. I remember when your hair was black. <laughs> now it's white. It's, it's, it's going backwards too. I see it. I can see the, the light shining on your forehead. Your five head. You don't even have a forehead. You got a five head. 
Brother, you're getting old. And some of you don't have gray hair, but I know you've been down to the beauty shop. Some of you ain't even got, ain't got hair anymore. Can I tell the gray hair something? We need you now more than ever. You've got a wealth of wisdom and knowledge and perspective that the younger generation needs to hear from you. They're disc- you've, seen, you've seen the goodness of God. You've never seen the righteous forsaken. You've seen the discouragement. You know, you've been there. You've been walking with God long enough to go, I know morning may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Just stay it fast, stay there. We're all in one place or the other. Jesus is not coming back to run another play, to make disciples. This house was built on discipleship. We gotta get back to the very thing that made the house great. Are y'all tracking with me? Okay, so he's telling them, you're gonna need some power. I'm gonna, I drew the connection, Matthew 28. And then the apostles, I'm going to need a keyboard player because I'm wrapping up. That means I'm closing. And I can't close without a keyboard player. Watch this. Then the apostles, they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of about a half mile. And when they arrived, they went upstairs, the room in the house they were staying. It lists all of those that were with them. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, Judas. They all met together and were constantly, say this with me, united in prayer. I love the word united. Where are we at? We're in between resurrection and Pentecost. We need the Holy Spirit to give us strength and power to carry out the very thing that he asked us to do. We're in the same boat where they were at the same spot. When are you going to make Israel great again? It's about the kingdom of God. It takes place on the internal before it impacts the external. God has to take the master of our hearts. And so they got and said, let's get in the upper room, 120, united, say united. Let, let me, let's, I'll give you just three quick thoughts. Number one, let's, church, could we just wait for it? Now, I don't mean wait for it like, like a doctor's hospital, like a doctor's office wait for it where you're checking your phone. I, I mean like a pregnant woman. You know how you girls get on your first baby? We don't call you waiting for a baby. We call you expecting a baby. That you're going, I'm, I'm expecting the Holy Spirit to come. I'm, I'm expecting, they were, they were waiting for it. They were, they were united together. They were, they were remembering the promise that he made. Now, listen, I don't want you to be discouraged. The devil always overplays his hand. God's up to something. 
He's moving. He's working by his Holy Spirit. Can the church become united again and go, I see God is moving and we need the Holy Spirit. I love what Acts 1.14 in the Passion Translation says. All of them were united in prayer and gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. Number two, let's unify for it. Now, I I love what Pastor Jacob says this. This is one of his famous quotes. I don't always know what the Lord is doing, but if I could just recognize what the devil is doing, I'm just going to do the opposite of that. Right? Let Let me tell you what the devil's doing. He has unleashed division across our nation. And it's impacted the church. You felt it here in Broussard. We felt it in Opelousas. We got people on one side red and another side on blue. Now they, they won't even worship together because of politics. Have you got to be kidding me? That we would look for political power instead of unifying for spiritual power. Can I tell you something? Look, I've been married to this woman for 32 years. We don't agree on everything. I'm right, she's wrong. But I mean, you know, we're still married. I love what, I think it was Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham said, hey, if, if we agreed on everything, the Lord wouldn't need one of us. You've watched it just unleashed on our nation. I'll give you, here's the list. Black versus white, male versus female, rich versus poor, Republican versus Democrat, mass versus no mass, vaccine, no vaccine. And I could go on and on and on. Do you think the enemy was out to divide the world? Oh no, this is a strategy straight from hell to divide the church. And we're going to let our political affiliations impact whether we can unite together to walk with a greater cause. Let me tell you what the problem is. We have not seen what the Lord is saying. Everything melts like wax in the presence of the Lord. Everything melts in the presence of the Lord. They were expecting it. They were united for it. Can we just unify around something? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. were expecting it the promise giver by the way the promise it goes on to say 
It's for you and your children and your children's children. It is the, the Holy Spirit would come. The Spirit of Jesus would come and be your guide. Oh, if you ever needed a guide, you need a guide. Unify for it. And he's given the church the promise, the power, the strength, and the authority, the Holy Spirit. And then number three, could you start praying for it? Could you just start asking him? Lord, would you send me? Would you baptize me with the Holy Spirit? No presumption over what that means. I grew up in a tradition that said, if the Holy Spirit came upon you, you'd speak in tongues. That's not what the promise was. The promise was you'd receive power and you need power. And then it would go on to say that your, your, your boys and your girls would prophesy in the name of the Lord. Wow. Can, 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 I, can I just put a prayer up. You can take your phone out right now. Would you just pray with me? Heidi and I have been praying this. I wrote this for Opelousas. I prayed this little prayer. I said, I just wrote it in five minutes. And I just said, let's start just united together and start praying for the Holy Spirit. And would you just do it? Would you just say, Pastor you, I, I, I'm going to pray this prayer every morning with you. I'm going to just, I'm just going to call it out. You can take a picture of it. And a picture of me too. Hold on, let me smile. There, there we go. How about that? Like I'm really up here doing something. Can we just pray it? Could we just pray it now together? Just as a sign of unity together. Going, no, 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 no. We're going. Listen, I, I, I've learned this a long time ago. Here's what I found to be true with Heidi and I. When we first started marriage. I was on one end, she was on the other end. But as long as we both were pursuing Jesus and the Lordship of Jesus, we became closer. I've learned this about my my brothers from other mothers. As long as we're pursuing Jesus, we're going to grow closer together. As long as we're pursuing the Lord, then something happens between us. We get closer as we go. There is no place for division in the house of God. No place. We all walk in here and we're all at the foot of the cross's level ground, baby. We all in need. We all fall short. It don't matter what color, race, free, creed, rich, poor, Republican, Democrat, independent. It don't matter. We're all at the same place. Can we just pray this together? Would you just stand with your feet with me? Can we just call out to God? Can we just unify our voice when I'm going... Don't repeat after me. Just kind of pray it with me, you know. We could just pray together. Would you lift your hands to heaven? Jesus, I worship you, adore you, and declare that you are the king of my heart. May your kingdom come to my heart as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, I don't want to just read about you and your work. I want to experience you and your promise So I ask you to baptize me today with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your power, your strength, and authority to be a witness to my friends, family, and all that cross my path. 
for your glory. May my ears hear what you're saying. May my eyes see what you're doing and my heart submit to your leading. It is in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Would you keep your hands lifted high? I wanna pray over you, Father, I ask, but your Holy Spirit, we need it. And I'm asking by the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, it is a promise that you gave us, not only for us, but for our children and our children's children, that you would give us the promise of the Holy Spirit. We need you now more than ever. And so we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen.